Phoenix Foundation, an episode-by-episode podcast review of CBS's action-adventure series, MacGyver. I'm Patrick O'Reilly. And I'm Richard Wells. And today we'll be tackling Season 6, Episode 20, Trail of Tears. for this episode was April 29th, 1991. It was directed by Michael Priest, and it was written by Lincoln Kibbe. Hey, Lincoln Kibbe. Why don't we describe this episode in brief? In this episode, uh, MacGyver is involved with a trial uh, involving a land dispute between the local Native American Lakota population and a giant uh, power plant industry who wants to build a uh, system of lines through the area. Now, Lakota is probably not an actual tribe. I'm assuming I, I, I think the Lakotas a are a tribe. Is it a tribe? I bl- I, I'm, I'm like... Because I thought Dakota was. Like, aren't North and South Dakota named after an actual Indian tribe? Now we're both going to do some phone research. Yeah, the Lakotas, the Lakotas are a people. That's what um, uh, Mrs. Voorhees is in Kimmy Schmidt. She, oh, really? She's a Lakota. She's a Lakota? Okay, that's funny. If you haven't seen that, by the way, check that one out. The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. The first season is is super, super funny. The second season is all right. <laughs> Did you watch the second season? Um, I've only gotten a couple episodes because because then Stranger Things came on. Yeah, that's um, a great one. And uh, other 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 shows kind of took me took me away. I think the second season is a is uh, has a little less aim to it because the first season is like kind of has a very clear starting point of her moving to New York and mm-hmm. then. Going towards the trial against, yeah, uh, Reverend Gary Wayne, David Wayne, Gary Wayne, David Wayne, Gary Wayne, but um, but the the second season doesn't really have an obvious direction, and mm-hmm. so it's kind of just like, oh, I'm doing this this week. Oh, I'm doing this this week. Yeah, and and Voorhees is kind of not the same character as she was in the first season, where the first season she's just a ridiculous rich lady, not yeah. not very different from Jenna from yeah. Rock. But then the second season is kind of like she's very serious and she's not stupid and she's not making terrible decisions the whole time. Mm. And it's kind of frustrating to see her <laughs> that way. Oh. <laughs> I liked it better when she was crazy. Oh, I don't know. Jenna Maroney is I, the, one of the live episodes of 30 Rock when uh, Jack was stopped, drink, was stopped drinking. Yeah. And he's all, let me smell the inside of your mouth. And she's all, I've been waiting years to hear you say that. <laughs> <laughs> she's awesome, though. You know that was supposed to be Rachel Dratch originally? Yeah, in yeah. The, in the pilot, it was Rachel Dratch, and then they recast it for the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. But she's still on. I mean, she was still on a lot. Yeah, as, they, I mean, random, they basically, the whole characters. first season, she played a different character every episode. I just remember one of them, she was like Elizabeth Taylor. <laughs> but she was like hiding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's But awesome. usually she shows up as like a cat wrangler or something. Yeah, like or, or um, the janitor, Svetlana. Yeah. <laughs> So this episode of MacGyver, <laughs> it opens up um, with an X-Files reunion. Right. We have uh, William B. Davis playing the presiding judge over the Indian trial. Right. And uh, Bruce Will- Harwood. Willis is there as a representative of Phoenix Foundation. They've already given their testimony, but yeah. we're, we're not privy to that. Yeah. It's kind of like, I feel like I would have liked to have seen that. Yeah. But it's explained also, though, in exposition that yeah, their the, testimony was... The defense was... attorney basically goes on the stand and says... As Phoenix Foundation has already made it very clear, by the way, if you're not aware, Phoenix Foundation is a pro-environmentalist yeah. company. Um, they've, they've said that the high-tension wires that we intend to install across the, um, the, across the Bitter Flats, Bitter Flats yeah. region, which is just to the, the east of this river, like yeah. three miles to the east of this river, have no known effect on any organisms that... Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing provably unsafe about any of it. Um, you could run these cables through a person's living room and they right. wouldn't have any effect on you. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that that's their standpoint. And uh, Larry Whitecloud, who's the uh, Lakota defense attorney, uh, he is claiming that EMFs, electromagnetic fields, caused damage. Uh, that the Phoenix Foundation wasn't able to come up with any real evidence. That they don't. Right. Uh, uh, but and that uh, long term is the 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 key word that he right. focuses on. They don't know what the long term effects will be. Right. But uh, Willis is being kind of a 
un- unprofessional in the courtroom. Like, yeah. Like jerk. As soon like as like calls- as every time the attorney says some a point that is trying to prove like his side correct, then Willis is just like, oh, jerk. Oh, yeah. Shyster. Like, he's just like, this guy's terrible. What is he doing? Yeah. And it's like, calm down. We're it, in court. You're going to get held in contempt if you keep shouting out words. Yeah. That, don't you know who that guy is? The judge is? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's important to note that, that the Phoenix Foundation, while they were called in as experts to give impartial findings, right. the, uh, the attorneys for the power plant twisted around their their findings to but make he it. didn't though he didn't twist it at all he said you've done extensive studies that have proven that there's no environmental damage caused by these high tension wires right and willis is so upset that he's citing this evidence i think he's just mad because he's using it against native americans yeah <laughs> it's like true. he doesn't actually care that oh well he's actually citing what we said in in the correct context and yeah, well, no, there's no long-term health effects that we've determined. Yeah, at this point. Yeah, because it hasn't been studied. Yeah, but it just seems like he's a little bit out of line, like getting mm-hmm. so angry at this guy for reciting not out of context what they said on the stand. Yeah. And then when White Cloud stands up, his defense is basically like, "But what if there is eventually?" Well, and he, White Cloud also brings up that he says that the the bitter flats are uninhabited. Uh, the defense said that. Yeah. He's saying that well, they are inhabited just by – what he means was they aren't inhabited by white people. Right. They're but in- then but then he, even he admits that no one – like inhabited means that people live there. Yeah, in, ho- in and homes he's not, and stuff. And he's not saying that it's inhabited. He's saying that the wise men of the Native American tribes go out there yeah. to meditate basically. But that's not the same as inhabiting a place. Yeah, that's, that's true. just visiting a place. So he um, wasn't even out of line saying that they inhabited the place. Um, he also seems to uh, call on the fact that the government is now willing to focus on the wording of a treaty more specifically, yeah. Rather than rather than saying, "Oh well, you know that treaty kind of meant this." It's like, yeah. no, this absolutely means this. Yeah, and yeah, he's saying, uh, "Well, I'm so glad that you want to stick to this treaty that was written up hundreds of years ago." Mm-hmm. And then he tries to make a joke about how most people don't do that, and it's like. Yeah, but this guy's doing that. Like every <laughs> every point that he makes has like a really obvious counterpoint. It's all it's just a bunch of straw man arguments in a row. Yeah, and that's why he loses the case. Yeah, because uh, the jury finds in favor of the power plant, and uh, uh, that's when Willis and and MacGyver kind of have like their moment with Samuels, the attorney. Yeah, uh, and and Byers. Uh, Sorry, Willis gives yeah. his <laughs> gives his like his Mah. two cents. How dare you use our testimony to prove your case in a court of law? Mm-hmm. And then he's like, "I paid you guys to be environmentalists and tell me if this causes problems, and it doesn't cause problems." Um, but MacGyver and Willis are willing to work with White Cloud to see if they can maybe get uh, look at the treaty more closely. Yeah, and say, "Hey, you said that the treaty's really the key to this whole thing, so maybe we can prove it." And White Cloud's like, eh, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. White Cloud, by the way, played by an actor named Michael Gregory, mm-hmm. who I could not determine whether or not he has any Native American yeah. heritage. And he doesn't seem to. Um, but he has a ponytail and dark hair. So yeah. So I guess that's all we need. That's all we need. Uh, yeah. He, he's not interested. He says, hey, if you guys want to do whatever you want to do, go ahead. I don't care. Yeah. Um, uh, he, he was like a high-priced attorney who thought he could help people, but now he's been jaded by the fact that he can't really help people, and now he wants to go back to being a high-priced attorney. Yeah. Um, he played the rebel lieutenant in Total Recall, and he also played Lieutenant Hedgecock in Robocop. Mm. I don't remember those characters. I don't either. Like, but... I remember, like, you say, like, rebel lieutenant. And, like, I, I mean, I remember the I remember the rebellion, Yeah. and I remember some of the people in it. And yeah. I think Marshall Bell played the guy with Quato in his stomach. Um, yes, but yeah. uh, that's about all I remember. Uh, so uh, MacGyver is saying that he's going to stick around to Willis, and if Willis could bring up some like satellite telemetry, like get an idea of some of the 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 borders, the current borders, and things like that. Um, meanwhile, a gentleman who's unfortunately named Dick Russell. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Talk about Russell and your Jimmys. <laughs> I don't know why, but that was the first thing I thought of, too, when he said <laughs> Dick Russell, Russell and Jimmy's. 
<laughs> um, yeah, and he's been on the show before too. I don't. I didn't write it down. Which um, characters he, he played? The actor is uh, Gary or Jerry. It's G E R R Y. I guess it's Bean? Jerry Bean. Yeah. Yeah. Previously, he was Wilcox in the Survivors. Yeah, I was gonna say I thought he was one of the Survivors. Guys. Um, he was the guy that in the Holy Rose that Christopher Neem killed in his car. Yeah. Um, he's, and uh, and he was just credited as Harris in Tough Boys. Okay. And I don't remember. I don't remember Harris. I think he was one of the guys that got sent to take out the Tough Boys from. From the drug lord on, guy. He, I think he's the guy that got knocked over by the fire hose. Okay. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, because there were those two guys opening fire with Uzis. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, yeah, he's listening into their conversation, and that's when Mac and Wells kind of head out to talk somewhere else. Um, so uh, White Cloud enters the restroom to kind of take care of some business. And um, <laughs> What? Little it's the, it's the post, restroom. Post-court business. <laughs> um, but standing in the corner is another Lakota Indian who identifies himself as Standing Wolf. Yeah. And uh, he wants to talk to him. And he says that the Bitter Flats are a place of power and they can't put power lines through them because it will disrupt it. Right. And he offers to show white cloud the meaning of the word power and what the yeah. power is. And there's just like a moment where we're just like zooming in closer yeah, on each really other's creepy. eyes. Like it just starts cutting in. So literally just their eyes and eyebrows are filling the entire screen. Yeah. He's like, um, I have to show you. Yeah. Uh, Standing Wolf was played by uh, Nick Ramos. Yeah, who I, th- I think has been on the show before. Um, I couldn't find any, any of him on the show, but he, he obviously plays a lot of Native Americans. It's a familiar last name, though. Yeah, this Nick Ramos is only in yeah. this one episode of Standing Wolf. Trivia. He was cremated. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good to know. Uh, so, meanwhile, uh, Mr. Johnson... Uh, the owner of the power plant uh, is talking with uh, Dick Russell uh, about MacGyver and Willis chatting about talking to White Cloud about yeah. looking into the tree. Yeah. <laughs> um, there's a lot of chain links in yeah. that chain. Basically, henchmen overheard MacGyver talking to White Cloud about yeah. how he's going to help him. Uh, Mr. Johnson would like an accident to be arranged, but nothing too messy. And nothing until after the big uh, tour group comes through the power plant right because it's like a big press thing uh so macgyver heads out to the uh construction site the the the, just outside the bitter flats yeah and uh white cloud is there and he's like dressed in full camo and uh and like he's saying what are you doing here ready to go commando on this place yeah um dick russell and and some other henchmen of his show up and they're watching them talk in the distance and then Dick Russell, by the way, I think looks like um, a grown-up version of Miles Teller. Miles Teller, yeah. I think he looks like an adult Miles Teller. I can see that. Well, White Cloud is uh, t- telling the guy that they really need to go right now. And Mike Mac looks in his bag and finds a couple of like bundles of C4. Uh, White Cloud said that he had a vision, and now he believes about the Bitter Flats, and he's willing to do whatever it takes to protect it. Yeah. Um, so that he throws them to the ground and the whole place explodes. And you can even see like the reaction of like Dick Russell and his guys are going like, Oh God, <laughs> I did not expect that. Um, but it's funny too. Cause he's like, he's like, get away from here. And then MacGyver's like, give me one good reason. He's like, I just gave you one good reason. And <laughs> yeah. Throws him off into the wilderness to protect him from the explosion. But at first it just looks like he's trying to fight him. Yeah. Uh, so MacGyver and White Cloud are okay. And, and MacGyver's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> Uh, MacGyver and White Cloud are okay, um, and Dick Russell just starts opening fire at them and uh, chases them into the woods on dirt bikes. Yeah. Um, Russell calls it in and uh, asks for someone to look into White Cloud's uh, history to see if there's a a connection between him and his ability to plant explosives. Right. Well, and more specifically C4 because White Cloud leaves behind his rifle and a backpack full of C4, Mm -hmm. which they go and find. Yeah. And so he pulls out a, a... block of c4 and he's like oh c4 you need to have a license to be able to get this stuff yeah. let's figure out who his connection is to c4 uh so macgyver and uh white cloud are moving through the woods uh towards uh, what he what he calls a friend's cabin right who, who will come to find out is is phil crow right uh 
uh, Russell gets the info and, that he needs that we don't hear, but we can yeah, assume. He just says, oh, excellent. I think I know where they're going. Yeah. And so we can assume that he knows about the cabin. Yeah. And since he's on a dirt bike, they'll be able to get there faster. Yeah. Uh, so White Cloud tells MacGyver about his vision that uh, Stanny Wolf became a wolf and he saw the, um, the electricity power lines built and they were glowing red. And then he saw a dead boy right. lying on the ground. So uh, that's what that's what convinced him. He yeah. was he was convinced by this prophecy slash vision. Uh, uh, Russell and his guy arrive at the cabin early, and they immediately hit some trip wires that are rigged to like a system of like chiming cans. Yeah. Uh, and uh, Phil, Phil Crow, Crow is out on the deck. Yeah, with his he, gun. Well, he's got a bow and arrow. Oh, he's got a bow and arrow, right? Yeah. Uh, Russell says that he's a friend of White Cloud, and to prove it, he shows him White Cloud's rifle. Like yeah. He, he gave me this so you'd know I was with him. Yeah. And like, it's like, you don't look like you're a friend of White Cloud's. He's like, oh, we practiced law back in Chicago, just playing off of the history of White Cloud that yeah. he knows. So uh, this disarms Phil Crow. Like, he says, okay, well, maybe he is... Maybe he is who he says he is. Yeah. Now, Phil Crow is played by Gordon Tutusis. Tutusis, yeah. Um, and we had him as Perry in Mask of the Wolf. Right. So yeah. he, was the, he was the non-believer who then came to believe. Yeah. He started out as the villain. And then he kind of turned sides. Um, he also played Chief Powhatan in 1995's Pocahontas. Oh. The Legend. Oh. Not Disney's Pocahontas. <laughs> But he was also in the same year, Disney's Pocahontas, <laughs> as jerk. a different character, <laughs> Kikata. But he's in two Pocahontas in 1995. Pocahontai? Yeah, I think that's the, the plural of Pocahontas. No, oddly enough, it's Pocahonta. You just take the S off when you put it. Oh, interesting. Them. I hate words like that. Yeah. Uh, so uh, White Cloud's plan is to basically stay in hiding until he can get another chance to blow up another building. Yeah. Um, because uh, he, he's just he's got a taste for it now. Yeah, he also feels that the system won't work. Yeah, uh, and uh, this is the only way to get around it. When White Cloud and MacGyver arrive at Crow's place, uh, they don't find any signs of him. But they yeah, do when find... they first walk in, they see the radio is smashed. smashed. Yeah, and White Cloud is just like, ah, you know, Phil Crow. He he doesn't like technology. But then I guess when he closes the door to the cabin, Phil Crow is like hidden behind the door no it, i think they just walked past him and didn't notice him oh i was like wait, wait. he's like immediately to the left as you walk in the door but they walked straight in and saw the radio first yeah. and then when he kind of turns around he notices the body phil crow's collapse there. and he has been shot and yeah. he's dead but i don't understand white cloud says a lot of weird stuff here mm -hmm. and i have no idea what he thinks happened yeah does he think that phil crow killed himself um I think that that's what we're supposed to think that he did. Because Max shows... I wrote down the line because I honestly had to back it up okay. three or four times. He says, he's dead. Crow specialized in booby traps. Like, just totally out of nowhere. Mm. Exposition that means nothing to the fact that they just found his body. He says, Crow specialized in booby traps. He used to say for a split second he could hear the beginning of a man's scream before it was drowned out by the explosion. The noise. Up here, he found quiet. What does that mean? Mm -hmm. What does any of that mean? I guess it's supposed to be about post-traumatic stress. It's just... And so he shot himself in the heart um, as a suicide? Well, I don't, I don't think that they think it was a suicide. But Then why, what is he talking about? What does this, any of this mean? I, I, I can't explain it. But because MacGyver finds the shell casing from, Crow's, uh, from White Cloud's rifle... They know that he's being set up. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that line is pretty... So weird. I think... You know what? You want to know I, what I, I think, think it is? What? I think it was an attempt to make him sound, like, more Native American, like, in, in, in a kind of a racial sense, like he's, like, speaking in, in metaphor. I don't know what it means, unless he's saying that he thinks that this guy killed himself because of post-traumatic stress, but that he shot himself... In the in the chest to the kill rifle. himself. Like who shoots himself in the chest for suicide? Isn't that the worst place to shoot yourself for yeah. suicide? But I, then it doesn't even occur to him that people have been shooting at them all day 
Mm-hmm. And that they might have some way of finding out that this guy lives here. And actually, if he was living in this hut, I would imagine he would be off the grid. Yeah. I'm surprised that they had an up-to-date address for him at, at the C4 facility. Uh, well, MacGyver believes that it's a frame-up. Yeah. That the shell casing is going to show that that White Cloud killed Crow for no reason. Yeah, because it's the shell casing from the rifle the that rifle. he left behind. Uh, White Cloud now plans to kill Johnson at the power plant with a bow and arrow. Yeah. And uh, Mass suspects that that's exactly what they're trying to have you do so they can kill you on the spot. Uh, uh, and then he's like, I don't understand. Why would they let you come here with me or something like that? Yeah, it's like, well, like wait a minute. If this is a frame-up, then, then the, them letting me live doesn't make any sense. And, and that's when... Like, I needed your fingerprints on everything in here. Yeah, and now I do. Thank you. And now I'm going to shoot you. Um, and he just shoots MacGyver. Yeah, he just in the gut shoots him, knocks him down. Uh, but then White Cloud's, uh, uh, sorry, Russell's assistant trips the the trip wires and makes the cans ring, which distracts Russell enough for White Cloud to like just scream and run past him. Yeah, <laughs> he just runs out of the cabin and runs out into the woods, leaving MacGyver to die. Yeah. Um. Uh. And so. Uh, Russell and his sidekick run out, run after him, and when they come back to finish MacGyver off, MacGyver's now gone. Right. Uh, and he's like struggling to get away. Um, and this is where MacGyver finds, once again, wounded, struggling through the woods, finds an abandoned mine. Yeah. Uh, I believe it is the Could same mine. Could be the same one. Yeah. I think it's the same one. Uh, he stumbles in and collapses, and uh, he sees a small visage of a. Native American man and a fire. Right. Uh, Russell and his sidekick uh, realize they can't find MacGyver, so they head back. While Standing Wolf is the now the caretaker of MacGyver. Right. And like doing a little ceremony where he just. Which is the third X Files connection to this episode? Yeah. <laughs> Native Americans bringing the the white protagonist back to life after being shot. Yeah. He he performs a little bit of a ceremony and then removes the bullet from MacGyver just by like reaching in and grabbing yeah. it. Yeah. Um, when MacGyver wakes up, he says that he doesn't feel any pain and <laughs> and Standing Wolf says, "You, you will, will tomorrow." tomorrow. <laughs> more horrifying than waking up to feel pain it's like, yeah like i don't feel any pain it's like you're gonna yeah i was like I wait for it i don't want that anticipation and macgyver asks him if he's dreaming and sending wolf goes i don't know and he pinches him did you feel that no no it's like maybe this is a dream <laughs> <laughs> i i really it's kind of a cheesy performance, but I really like this no, performance. That I agree. I, I like the, the performance from Standing, Standing Wolf here. I also like the line where he's like, oh, you've heard of me. That's, <laughs> that's, so, that's so nice. <laughs> um, and then MacGyver's like, not really. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where he's, he's giving really stereotypical like Native American dialogue, but he's, he's delivering it in a way that I find believable. Uh, yeah, he's delivering it more like a person yeah, it, than like a character actor. Like, it, you know, it's not like Johnny Depp going, mm, big, museum, big mountain. Like, yeah. like, it's like, he's like, his gentle voice and his, and his, I don't know, it's just it everything It seems like this it. is the way this guy actually talks. Yeah, real it's life. really, really well done. Um, even though he's speaking in kind of metaphorical and yeah, yeah. vagaries. Um, we don't see William B. Davis again for the rest of this episode. No, huh? no, he's that, that just, was just, just that just one the bit judge. as the judge in the beginning. I mean, I guess that's. I mean, when he got cast as the cigarette smoking man on X Files, it was because like he was basically supposed to be a character actor in the background as a representative of the government, and then right. they brought him back for another episode, and then people latched onto that character, and yeah. so they kept bringing him back, and then it just blossomed into a much bigger role for him. Mm-hmm. But that's. So that makes sense that they would only use him for this one scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, he, was oh, he was just supposed record. to be in the background. Uh, I always think of Ann B. Davis when I see his name, who played uh, <laughs> the, Alice. The maid on yeah, the, yeah, Brady, on Bunch. The Brady Bunch. Um, so Sandy Wolf asks Mariver to stand up and come with him right. um, out, out of the cave, which now leads to Bitter, Bitter Flats, Flats, which is not where they were. No. Uh, 
and MacGyver can see that the uh, high tension wires are now complete. And he says, "But they weren't. They're not done yet." He's like, "That was then. This is now." Yeah. Um, Witness now. Uh, there's also a stream uh, that's running b- nearby, and MacGyver says that that stream's not here. He says, "Oh, this stream has always been here." Yeah. Like there's, there's like all this stuff that's coming in. I still don't quite understand that part of it. <laughs> Which part? The fact that the stream is right there under the high tension wire. Yeah. Which isn't really where it was on the map. Well, it's because it's, it's it was di- I believe it was diverted by the mining company. Right. No, I I get that part, but it's it still seems like it's on the wrong side of the of the tension lines. Tension lines. That's true. Uh, okay, that's. But true. then I guess we don't know which direction they approach. Also, from. that was that was gonna be okay. an exact point. Is like I don't we don't know where. But we in are. my head, it seems like the high tension line is west of or east of this river, mm-hmm. which is what it was on the map that they brought into the courthouse. Right. Um, but it really shouldn't even be close to the river. It should be completely on the other side of the river. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, he leads him down to the stream and says, oh, we should we should drink from the stream. Um, and that's when MacGyver notices that Sandy Wolf has actually become a wolf. And uh, this wolf, dog, actor... Animal Wrangler doesn't seem quite to know what to do. No, it seems like it's. it's, it's it seems like it's watching a trainer. Yeah, and a trainer going, the stream. No, no, drink. And then hmm? and it's like, hmm? what, am I, what do I do? <laughs> huh? And then it kind of squats down, like. Yeah, it, it, is this right? Am I doing this right? Uh, oh, hold on. Oh, okay, it paused for a second. But. The uh, then MacGyver starts seeing the glowing red from the power lines. Yeah. Um, and that's when he also sees the body of the Native American boy. Uh, and he passes out. MacGyver right. passes out. Now, if I were MacGyver, when I wake up from this dream, I think, "Oh, I just had the whole, the whole dream that that guy told me." Yeah, he 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 said, "I dreamt verbatim what he said." Yeah. Um, but when MacGyver wakes up, uh, he's once again with Standing Wolf, and he asks them about the vision, um, and that White Cloud interpreted the vision as a call to violence. Yeah. Like. The only way to solve this is to, to do some damage. And Standing Wolf says, no, that's not what the vision should have been about. Yeah. Um, White Cloud even suspects that maybe he's planning to do something called Counting Coup, which was a Lakota way of fighting back in the day where y- you fought without fighting. You would get close enough to do inflict mortal damage to a person, mm-hmm. but then you would just touch them with a stick to imply... I could have done that. I'm close enough to have killed you, yeah. but I didn't kill yeah. you. And and so now they're kind of like Murdoch letting go of those manacles mm-hmm. at the last second. Um, or Ernest uh, standing up to the three the three trials. Exactly. Ernest goes to like camp. Ernest, yes. <laughs> Ernest goes to camp. Uh, but he was already at camp. <laughs> That's what always bugs me. <laughs> so it's called Ernest goes to camp, but at the very beginning, he's already a camp counselor. Yeah. He's yeah. already there. He doesn't go there. It's like Ernest goes to jail, and he's already in jail. Yeah, but he wasn't. He does no, go to he jail. He went to jail in that movie. <laughs> Ernest saves Christmas, and Christmas is already saved when the movie starts. <laughs> Picking apart the, the whole the whole franchise is flawed. <laughs> I really want to do that, though. I really want to do the, the, the Ernest marathon. Oh, man. How have we not done that? Yeah, there's got to be. Honestly, go. I tried to watch Ernest saves Christmas recently. It was hard. Yeah, it's... You have fond, more fond memories of it as a kid, I think. Yeah. But I like Jim Varney. Yeah, Jim Everything Varney's I've great. heard about him is that he's a really nice guy. Didn't he play Clampett in the Beverly Hillbillies? Yes, the amazingly cast Beverly Hillbillies movie. Yeah. Oh, it was perfect. I just, uh, who was it that I just heard interviewed talking about working on that? Oh, it was on, it was on the Never Not Funny podcast with Jimmy Pardo, and they were interviewing, uh, what's his name, from the... The Drew Carey show. Diedrich Bader. Diedrich Bader. And he was talking about how Jim Varney was like the nicest guy mm-hmm. and that uh, they were basically at this hotel and he had like three days off um, from the shoot. And so, the, but obviously the whole cast is staying at this hotel. Right, right. And so uh, Diedrich Bader goes up to the bar and he orders a drink and then Jim Varney comes up next to him. He's like, oh, what are you having? And he's like, oh, an old fashioned. He's like, that sounds good. I think I'll have one of those. And then he gets one. And then, uh, like, the someone else from the cast came up and sat down. 
and like Cloris Leachman or somebody. Because mm-hmm. uh, I could see Cloris Leachman yeah. sitting at a bar and, with and the she guys. Came up and, and, and he's like, what are you getting? And she's like, a Long Island iced tea. And he's like, that sounds good. I think I'll have one of those. <laughs> and he just ordered one of what everyone else got and drank all of them. And Diedrich Bader was like, I mean, like, I don't know. I, I could drink a lot. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a drinker. I can drink a lot. But this is the first person who's ever matched me drink for drink the whole night and, like, didn't have, like, serious problems. And then I get back up to my hotel room at, like, probably 3 o'clock in the morning and the light's blinking on my phone. And sure enough, they move my call time to the next day. So he's, like, so literally my call time is, like, 6 a.m. And it's, you know, 3 a.m. So I get no sleep. And I and I'm still drunk when I'm shooting my scene. So the first scene where he's driving with Cloris Leachman in the car, he's like, "Watch my face. You can tell I'm drunk even watching it now." He's like, "I don't remember the shoot day. I didn't even remember it until I went back and saw it at the premiere." Like, it's just really funny. Oh, awesome! He's such a great guy, though, Diedrich Bader. Yeah, but again, like the casting of that of that movie, you know, Cloris Leachman as the grandmother, Diedrich Bader. Um, Dabney Coleman as Mr. Drysdale and uh, Lily Tomlin as uh, uh, I love her in almost everything. Yeah, God, what was what probably was, everything. What's that character's name? Mr. Drysdale at the bank. Ugh, I can't remember. I'm trying to remember who else was in the cast of the of like the wasn't family. It, wasn't it? Uh, I don't remember who the girl was. Yeah, wasn't it? Um, Jessica Simpson? Or are you thinking of the Dukes of Hazard movie? Oh, that's right. I'm thinking, I'm thinking of the Dukes of Hazard. God, what was Hathaway? Mrs. Hathaway? That sounds right. Honestly, I don't think I've even watched an episode uh, of the of, of the Beverly Hillbillies. Hillbillies. I think the most Beverly Hillbillies I've watched is in the music video for the Weird Al Beverly Hillbillies. Oh, song. Okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the movie was very well cast. Yeah, yeah, I like the movie too. Uh, so when MacGyver wakes up, Standing Wolf is there and tells him about Counting Coup. Yeah. Uh, and, uh... And then we went off on an earnest yeah. tangent. Uh, and, uh, Standing Wolf says that he thinks MacGyver is here to help White Cloud find the truth and not to find the violence. So, uh, we get an image of, uh, now of White Cloud moving through the woods, uh, to find his hidden C4 cache, uh... And uh, when MacGyver wakes up again, he's still in the mine, and uh, he's been bandaged, and he still has the necklace that uh, that uh, Standing Wolf had put around his neck. Yeah. But now there's there's now just it's an explosive necklace. Well, but now there's just an open first aid box, and and a wolf carcass. Yeah. And it's pretty crazy yeah like like when i saw the first aid box i thought like okay so the implication is that macgyver found the first aid and healed himself yeah um but then it doesn't explain the necklace and it certainly doesn't explain why there's just a dead wolf in the in the in the in the chamber with him um inside the the cave there's a trunk with the bullet that was removed from macgyver right and inside there are tools and an old map of the Indian Territory from the right. mining company. Just all sitting out in a chest. Yep, it's all right there, sitting in this thing. Hundred years later, yeah. there's a there's a DeLorean time machine behind it over there. Really, all that Standing Wolf needed to do was to bring this to that bathroom at the courthouse. Yep, that's all he had to do. <laughs> but instead, he was like, "I'm going to give you a vague." vision and then you can interpret it wrong and then i'm gonna have to give it to someone else and then macgyver's gonna explain it to you yeah uh well i mean he needed to go through the journey i guess did he though um so white cloud places a bomb with a really bizarre timer i it's it's yeah i i don't quite know how you know how much time you're setting yeah because it it has like all these a sequence of red lights around it there's one button that just says popcorn, but it doesn't tell you how long. <laughs> it's like, I want it pop, but I, it, what if it's like 10 minutes? Yeah, what if this is especially stubborn popcorn? <laughs> um, so you push the button, and the timer starts ticking around, but every time it comes around, it removes one of the red dots. Yeah. But I don't know how long each revolution is. <laughs> yeah. Um, it seems like it's more than a minute for each but revolution. Less than a second. What? That's not possible. Uh... <laughs> I don't even acknowledge it. Uh, <laughs> um, so uh, 
So he's ready to blow up this place. And uh, this place, by the way, is a, I'm pretty sure the same power station building that we used in um, Easy Target from the exterior. Okay. Um, if you'll recall, there's a scene where they're basically shutting down the power grid for the neighborhood, mm-hmm. and they just go up to a box that's up on the side of the building, and yeah. they like yank a cable off of it, and they're like, "All right, the power's down for the for this area." Or it was the phone lines, I think. Yeah, yeah, they blow up the phone lines. I think too. I think the the building that they're using as the power station is the building that they use for the phone lines. Okay. In that, because they go up to the same box on the side of the building, and you can see where they yank the cable and easy target. Interesting. I, I did not notice the, the the similarities. Yeah, but actually, I was kind of hoping that we would use the exact same room from the power station, but maybe that generator was too recognizable. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that thing was crazy. Although apparently someone sent us a, a link to a screenshot of it getting reused in, I think, Stargate. Mm. Um, but that same t- giant tower yeah. with all the colors. I mean, if it's a real thing, it's awesome. Yeah. But if, if also, if it's just a, a set prop, it's still awesome. I, I'm almost certain that it that it's a real thing because there's no other reason that it would still be in one piece true, yeah. late enough to be used in Stargate. Uh, so... MacGyver catches uh, White Cloud on his way out, um, and, uh, and and White Cloud's all, MacGyver, you're alive! <laughs> I haven't yeah. seen you since I left you for dead. Yeah. I left your corpse at uh, Standing Wolf's suicide shed. Oh, God, shack. you're a ghost. Or uh, <laughs> Standing Wolf's. Suicide shed! <laughs> <laughs> I left your corpse in <laughs> Phil Crow's suicide shed. No, remember I explained before, Phil Crow didn't shoot himself. You did it. From what I understand. <laughs> From what I understand. What I will testify in court. Which is going to be Since the, you left the me bane for of your existence. I'm, I switched sides. <laughs> uh, You've been on the wrong side of progress. Mm-hmm. This electricity is good for America. <laughs> Jeez, MacGyver. <laughs> uh, so, uh, uh, MacGyver explains to him uh, the vision, his interpretation of the vision, and then shows... White Cloud, the map yeah. that shows, like, look, the river was moved, and that's why they're, when they're saying that the, in the treaty that the river is the boundary, right. it was moved. Rivers move. Or are moved. Or are moved, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think this is a situation where they just dug a new path for it so mm-hmm. that they could change the treaty. Um, so I fully expected to have one of those, like, Here's a semi-transparent paper of the right. map, and then lay it over the old map, and mm-hmm. then we can see where the river has been diverted. But they, they didn't go for that move. Um, Probably because the likelihood of a 200-year-old map having the same scale. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, map. you would have to scan it and scale it. Yeah. So when MacGyver tries to convince White Cloud to to go to the government with this, White Cloud says, "No, it's still gonna." It's no, not gonna they be have much. to answer for Phil Crow's murder. Yeah. I'm done. So White Cloud punches him. The punches the gut shot man. Yeah. Um, and runs into the power plant, I guess. Where he set the bomb. Uh-huh. That's going to go off later when there's a busload of children inside. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, oh no, sorry. MacGyver runs into the power plant. Sorry, I, I got my notes confused. White, oh, okay. Cloud, White Cloud stays outside because he's waiting for Johnson to arrive. And he's like doing a prayer thing. Uh, MacGyver goes into the power plant, but he's immediately caught. Right, and and, he, and try- he says to Dick, "Hey, uh, there's a bomb. There's a bomb in here, and I'm trying to find it. But White Cloud said a bomb, and it's going to kill everybody. Yeah. And he's like, "Yeah, right. He's bluffing. Throw him in the pump house. Mm-hmm. And it's like, why would he be like? He already blew up a building earlier yeah, today. You saw him do it. He has every reason in the world to blow up this building. And this is the expert who you guys paid to, to basically win your court mm-hmm. case." Also, you shot me earlier. Why would I do you any favors? Yeah. Oh, I guess that would be a reason against. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I sounded so certain in my conviction. Why would I do you any favors? I'm trying to hurt you by telling you that there's a bomb in here that could kill you. Uh, so, of course, yeah. Like you said, they don't listen. They throw him in a, into a MacGyver wet dream of uh, escape plans. Yeah. But honestly, like, there's no reason to not just take him outside. All of you go outside yeah. and prevent anyone else from going into the building and say, well, we got another threat from that terrorist that there's a bomb in here. No, let's instead put him in a room where he could do more damage. Yeah, let's put him in a room where he has control over whether or not this power station functions at all. <laughs> Pump room sounds like it's pretty important. Yeah. 
Probably got pumps in there. <laughs> Lots of tubes. <laughs> These tubes can do things. This whole ship's a bunch of buttons. <laughs> uh, so uh, Johnson arrives and uh, with his tour group, which turns out to be a bunch of children. Yeah. Um, but he wants, still wants MacGyver killed after the tour. Yeah. The tour is more important. I so, cannot be made a fool in front of these children. <laughs> White Cloud is uh, doing his, his preparing. He's got some incense and is saying prayers. Um, but he sees the busload of kids, and I would think that that was going to be his, his realize, oh, I can't blow up this building. Nope. No, he's still, I'm going to kill Johnson, and things are going to happen, whatever, whatever they happen, happen. As long as the bitter flats are protected, I guess. But that totally contradicts his interpretation of the dream, which was that he's going to save the life of an Indian child. Yeah. Uh, MacGyver, of course, is able to utilize the pumps and uh, create like a torpedo that blasts through the door and knocks down the the sidekick of Dick Russell. Yeah. Uh, Honestly, though, what is he using that he's blasting at the door? It's like it's some kind of... Metal pole. It looks like a squeegee, but it doesn't it's, look it's, like it would be strong enough to punch through this door. Well, I guess only in the sense that we don't know how much pressure is behind it. Right. I guess it just seems like the amount of pressure that is behind it that throws it at the door would have been the same as if MacGyver had just run and that's true kicked the door open like he did in the strictly business. <laughs> well, I, I I always feel that that things that that are either overwhelming or underwhelming. In MacGyver. So this is supposed to be something that's overwhelming. Yeah. Later on, we're going to get a thermite bomb that explodes but only takes out a two-foot radius around yeah, the bomb. Yeah, that's true. It's like, no, that should have been a lot worse. Yeah. So it's one of those things for the sake of television, I yeah. think, that we're supposed to assume that this is as powerful as it could be. It's a water hammer. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, and, uh, so White Cloud like goes into the power plant. MacGyver follows him. Uh, MacGyver just surprises Russell and punches him and locks him in a room somehow. Yeah. Like, he just punches him and just throws him into, like, a, a, a closet and locks it. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he catches up with White Cloud and the tour group. So White Cloud is standing with his bow and arrow, and he's still convinced that the only way is to blow it up. I won't tell him where the bomb yeah. is. And the guy that runs the power station is even professional enough to be like, get these kids out of here. Yeah, it's like, whoa, 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 dude, there are kids. Like, I- I'm a murderer. Yeah. I'll admit that, but even but kids... I'm not going to murder a whole class of children, so get them out of here. And for some reason, one kid stays behind. Yeah. But and I think it's the kid from the dream. Correct. It's yeah. it's it's the Native American boy from the dream. Um, uh, and uh, White Cloud has Johnson at arrow point. And when he sees the kid from the vision, that's when he realizes that maybe he was wrong. This is who I'm supposed to save. Yeah. But he didn't bring the tools that he would need to defuse the bomb. Right. He needs a cotter pin. Yeah. So it, it, it's just basically a, a slim piece of metal. Yeah. Um, so instead of holding these two people at bow and arrow point, he should have been like, yeah, let's all get out of this building first. Yeah. There's well, no reason to defuse the bomb if we can all leave. Well, you still would like to defuse it. Well, sure, but it would only be for financial reasons. <laughs> uh, MacGyver remembers that he's got the necklace on still, yeah. which has a feather, and the quill of the feather is perfectly shaped for the cotter pin. Good work, yeah. Standing Wolf. You knew what you were doing. Um, so, of course, the bomb doesn't go off, and White Cloud is now ready to take his vengeance out on Johnson, and he runs toward him with a bow screaming. extended, screaming, and then uh, just taps him with the bow. Yeah. And uh, the little ki- the little boy pulls a Nelson Muntz. Man, you got counted coup on. <laughs> he counted coup on you. <laughs> what does that mean? Is it? Is that? Am I gonna die? <laughs> oh god. And then uh, we basically move from there to the Act Five. Yeah. Where MacGyver's visiting uh, White Cloud in prison. Well, maximum security prison where he would be for committing domestic terrorism. Instead, oh, wait, instead, what? he's out on bail. He's yeah. still going to stand trial, but he's out on bail. Yeah, um, that's the trial of tears. Yeah, Willis came through with the satellite imagery that shows that the stream moved or was moved. They never really flat yeah. out say it was moved, but well, that's here's the, the footage from our satellite from the 1800s. <laughs> wait, yeah, what? Let's compare it with what? Wait. <laughs> Aliens. 
Phil Sternwise sent us these from his observations <laughs> in the 1800s. <laughs> He's a good guy, that Sternwise. I bought a vacuum from him. Uh, <laughs> alien vacuum salesman. That is actually his legitimate business. Yeah. As an alien, he travels selling vacuums to people. He too needs American currency <laughs> to do business in space. It is the most universally accepted currency. That's true. You, they call it universally accepted for a reason. Oh. Uh, I get it now. So uh, White Cloud uh, found also further information upon its own investigation about the Horton Mining Company that uh, redrew the maps with the movement of the stream. Yeah. And said, oh, look, this isn't Indian territory anymore. How convenient. Um, and as they both stand there having a moment, Standing Wolf appears on the cliffside and... As he turns and walks away, he just fades out of existence. Yeah. And White Cloud and MacGyver kind of give each other, like, did you see that? Kind of makes you wonder. Kind of makes you wonder. Um, I still like this episode. I do, too. Because I legitimately like the character of Standing Wolf I like more than any other character like, we've had. Almost everyone in this episode seems like a fair guy except for White Cloud and yeah. Dick Russell. Mm-hmm. They're the only two people that are in the wrong for almost the whole time. Well, and Johnson to the extent of conspiring to commit murder. Yeah. Because he, he gave the orders, although he didn't do them himself. Yeah. Uh, and presumably he didn't move the river either right. because that happened a long time before he was ever with the company right but the they bought the land the, the horton mining company was folded into the power plant that was right. part of white clouds discovery. and this is not the same power company that we're dealing with in easy target so Correct. this isn't actually supposed to be the same power station um yeah the horton mining company that moved the stream and redrew the maps um was bought out by subsidiaries and blah 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 yeah, and, and eventually so now became, they're part of npe yeah um and and johnson was aware of this like right. he was aware that through the yeah, whatever which record, he says like blatantly at the courthouse he's just like is there anything we need to be worried about with this macgyver guy helping them out and he's like yeah. well let's just say <laughs> that there's a very old contract and if macgyver finds it then we're all screwed yeah so make sure he doesn't maybe we should have deleted that yeah i kind of like that scene in the in the dragon tattoo uh the i don't know if it's the same in the swedish version versus the fincher version but in the fincher version um, Craig asks to see the records of the company and uh, uh, you know, St- Skarsgård is like, well, we, we don't have anything to hide, do we? And then his lawyer says, after 125 years of doing business, yeah, we probably do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, companies uh, don't survive that long without something to hide. Yeah, exactly. Um, uh, so I actually kind of like, like those, those aspects of it. Yeah. I really like that movie too. Although I don't like that it has a fifth act. They're still not doing a sequel, right? Yeah, not not at this point. No, I'd th- yeah. say no. I think whatever steam Fincher had for that has run out. Yeah. Um, so great movie what's, on. What's its he own. doing now? Um, he just did Gone Girl, right? Yeah, Gone Girl was the latest thing I remember from him. Yeah, I can't remember anything after that. Which was okay. Um, I have a real problem with movies with no likable characters. Yeah. Um, that. That it, it, it's just like you're just watching their lives collapse and you're glad that it's happening because they deserve it. Yeah. But that's not enough. Yeah. It's not enough to make a satisfying movie for me. Um, uh, my friend, or, or well, you, you, know, you know James, he has a problem with the prestige for that same reason, that there are no likable characters in the prestige. I disagree. I agree too because when you know the ending of the prestige, you realize there is a likable character. You just don't know when that character is around. Yeah. Um, but I also think Tesla's a likable character. Well, I mean, but I mean, as far as the main... Sure, the yeah, main, yeah, between the, the two guys. Yeah. But I think that's definitely Nolan's best work, The Prestige. Prestige? I love The Prestige. Yeah. I, um, I don't... Uh, as opposed to any other given Christopher Nolan movie, I have no problems with The Prestige. Okay. So That's fair. I'll, and, I'll take that. And the ending is still mind-blowing. Yeah. Which is great. I mean, I love Inception, but Inception's got problems. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a fantastic movie, and I never stop talking about it, but... I do recognize that there are serious problems and casting issues and character issues, but um, I do like Interstellar, though. I think Interstellar was yeah, a pretty fun I like ride. Interstellar, too. I, I just think there's a little bit of some silly stuff in it. Yeah. I think that it, it wanted to be an update of... 2001. 2001, and it's not quite there. Yeah. But it's pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but anyway, this episode of MacGyver, I, I feel... I, I was worried about it 
it's like you go into it. It's like, oh no, MacGyver's helping the Native Americans. I was like, this is gonna be like really heavy-handed, but it's not. It's a totally different story from what you expect. Um, and maybe that's why they changed it from Trial of Tears, because the, the trial is only like it's over. The trial's yeah. over. Yeah. That's the opening of the episode. Is the trial's over? Yeah. The rest of it is more of a spiritual journey for White Cloud and a discovery for MacGyver. And while MacGyver maybe doesn't buy into the visions or the dreams or anything like that, he definitely respects the information that's coming out and the treatment of the people and that the things are wrong. Yeah. Um, and like I said, Standing Wolf, like, oh my gosh, that performance is just, I'm so sick of like just Native Americans being portrayed as this, and, and, and maybe Native Americans would watch this and go, ugh, this is so, such a stereotype. Yeah. But I feel it's like the best stereotype that they could have done. Um, like it's like sometimes I watch it and they're just going to go, ugh, that's, that's kind of insulting. Yeah. That's, I don't like that so much. But Um, none of this felt super condescending. Yeah. Which is refreshing from this show. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, yeah, I think that's about it for this one. Mm -hmm. Um, if you guys have any thoughts you'd like to share with us on trail of tears, you can find us on Twitter at opening gambit. You can find us at facebook.com slash Phoenix Foundation Podcast or our website, phoenixfoundationpodcast.com. And if you're digging the show, feel free to review us on iTunes. Tune in next week. We're going to be covering Season 6, Episode 21, Hindsight. <laughs> Gross. In, in, in hindsight, I wish I hadn't watched this yeah. episode. <laughs> um, also, a terrible way to end the season and all of the Vancouver shooting. Yeah because we return to Los Angeles for the following episode. Uh, but tune in for that if you want to hear a yep. clip show. Clip show. A terrible, probably the worst clip show so far. Mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.